That's still not it. We're still searching for a winner, and we don't have it. But that is okay, because I have a lot of these yet still to do before the Kickstarter starts, and then I have a lot of these to do post-Kickstarter as we walk through the entire process of them. And then I'll see at what point you all... Ooh, I did it again. Y'all... Oh, this is the Rob poison. The Rob poison in my brain is making me say y'all instead of you guys. You're you guys. Oh, my goodness. It's like, this is like, um, you know, like how Tex-Mex is a, a, a smashy the word Mexican and Texan. This is like a smashing of Texan and Illinoisan. So it's like a Texan-I or Illian, Illian. Or something. It's, it's awful. Robert, I know you listen to these. You've poisoned my brain and you make me say y'all. And I cannot abide that. You guys will not believe how hard it is for me to say you guys after hearing Rob say y'all in my ear for the better part of my life. So, I love you, Rob, but y'all is not what I say. I say young guys, these guys, you guys. You guys. That's how I say it. Anyways. Uh, you know, I was listening to the first five episodes here, and I realized that... Sorry about that. Just had a visitor in my office, and I definitely lost track of what I was talking about. So, needless to say, have you guys noticed, and this actually might be what I was talking about, I tend to say so or well... Or things like that with like the nice little pops. And I have a pop filter on, but yet here we are still with pop filtering. Anyways, I say anyways a lot too. As I've been listening to these podcasts, I've been realizing the nuances of the things I say. And, and I'm like, I hope it's not super weird and that this is an enjoyable thing to listen to for 15 minutes out of your day, every day, uh, weekday, every weekday. I do take the weekends off. So, today I was going to talk to you a little bit about boxes. Boxes, boxes, and boxes. This is not an episode about Boxing Day, which is the first thing I thought of when I said boxes just now. But this is an episode predominantly about tuck boxes and stand-up boxes. And or like, you know, the traditional board game box and what production of those is like and and just some frustrations that you can have with them sometimes or like just the difficulty in making a good box sometimes. And I, I think the thing is, is like you want to create something that like especially we talk about a tuck box and that's what I'm going to talk about predominantly right now today. I'll probably touch on the other boxes tomorrow or something. But today I want to talk about tuck boxes because at this point I've made tuck boxes for Art Major, Monster Bash, Summits, The Coup, uh, Wilderness Dice, and three expansions for it. Um, Stellar Empire, obviously. I did tuck boxes for Landing Party. I actually designed a tuck box for Beep Boop, uh, although it was never released. And I've done just a whole wide variety of tuck boxes. And the thing I like about tuck boxes is they are relatively cheap to produce. You can put a lot of information on them. 
and they they really are a nice portable little container for your game. You can carry your game and take it with you and and you know throw it in your pocket or throw it in a bag or or any of those kind of things. And so there is there is like something intrinsically nice about just being able to slip a deck of cards in a tuck box and then you know put it in there and, and throw it along the way. But that's that's not really what I want to talk about. The advantage of tuck boxes. There obviously the advantages are they're portable, they're cheap, they're things like that. The disadvantages are they can't really hold components. Um, and they well, I mean, that's really the main thing. They, they can't really, you can't really put a big game in them and they can't hold components. Now there is the one, like I was talking about the other day that I'm working on using for wilderness dice battles or dual, sorry, wilderness dice dual, uh, where it actually does hold four dice and we're actually, it's the same one we use for landing party. So you actually do have some components in that one. And uh, it's actually the same box I was going to use when I was developing Jurassic dice to slip a couple cards in and then a, like a, um, a a marker or a pen or something for because that was a roll and write kind of game. So the uh, the thing about designing for Tux Box is is that you you have actually a pretty wide surface, but you also have incredibly like limited amount of space in actuality because the front of your box is going to be taken up by a large graphic with the name of your game on it. Maybe you can put the author's name or you can put a couple like a tagline or things like that, but that's where you where you really have to grab their attention. And then the sides of the box, really all you can do is put the name of your game on. I mean, you can do some creative design stuff and you know there are things that we do here or there, but like you want it you want the name of your game on the side to really draw someone's eye to it when they have it on a shelf. Because the thing about tuck boxes is they stack on shelves really well. They stack really nicely. You don't have to worry about components falling over because a lot of times it's just cards, like I said. Um, and then finally the the well not finally, but then you have the back. The back is where you have to that's where your your call to action is, or your real hook, I should say. Your hook has got to be on the back. You got to convince people in as few words as possible that your game's awesome. You don't really have room for pictures of cards and game of game commodes and stuff like that. So you got to sell them with your words, and you've got to give other information on there, like number of players, time, age limits, things like that. You of course got to throw in your obligatory like. Uh, publisher information, branding information, stuff like that. The top, uh, a lot of times, it's uh, it's just again the name of the name of the game or a design. I tend to do a design on the top. Um, I like to on the inside tongue, the inside flap. I like to put a dedication to my kids. Um, and then on the bottom, you've got the UPC code, the other information, kind of stuff like that. And that's a tough box <laughs> in in and of itself. And it's. Not incredibly interesting when I say it this way. I mean, the way I just described it, these sound like the most boring boxes in the world. But I also think they create a nice challenge when it comes to designing games. Because, like, this is, again, where I go back to looking at stuff on these websites or looking at things that you can produce whether it's on the Game Crafter, whether it's on Print Play Games, whether it's on Make Playing Cards, you know, any of these sites where they kind of give you a, 
a catalog of the products they can make. And then they let you kind of look through them, browse through them. I kind of sit there and I look through these items, these catalogs, and I think about all the different ways I can make a game or make components or things I can get to fit in those. I mean, that was actually how I designed the original expansions for the revolution. My one of the first board games I made, I found they had these essentially they were hook boxes, although Back in the day, the game crafter didn't actually have hook boxes. They were more like this diamond piece of paper that they folded over, and your your cards were in there. And kind of you kind of tore the diamond open to get your cards out. Um, and so it was like a, a you know you had to make sure you had room in the in the base game box for those cards. But I designed an expansion. I uh, one was for King Country, which had British more British leaders. And one was Don't Tread on Me, which had more uh, colonial leaders. And it was just, it was cool because at the same time I was able to print, and I, I'm trying to remember if this was in the diamond or just the hook box, but I was able to print on the inside of the hook box as well. So I was able to like give instructions on how to play the game printed on the hook box rather than you having to uh, include an instruction sheet for an extra cost. Which actually, now I think about it, that's how I did all the promotional packs for our Patreon as well. We would, For Wilderness Dice, we released these Patreon promotion packs. There was Queen's Gambit, Seven Summits, Pumpkin Spice. Uh, we also had you know other ones that were like uh, that didn't come out, but we still released at some point. There was one called Innovation, which was about you know when things were released, technology and stuff like that. But all these games share a common inside gut that tell you how to play the game. Then on the outside gut is the, the tuck box that lets, lets you put cards in and store them. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably follow up with this at some point here in the near future with the sub stack post talking or talking about this, but showing some pictures and showing some examples. Cause I think that's the really interesting thing is like when you, when you start getting more creative with your box, sometimes you're able to do things or develop games in ways you didn't think. And that actually is something that was really, really hammered home to me when I was working on a portable version of what is our Jack Sterling game, which is a game that will someday come out in some way, shape or form as the same time as our novels or graphic novels or whatever will. But suffice to say, Jack Sterling was a character that me and Rob developed in college. We used him for a couple of our uh, student video projects we had to do. And then we came up with a story for him. We were going to shoot a whole TV series, but we were over ambitious for a couple of sophomores in college. And uh, we but we ended up just developing the story as what would eventually be like books or graphic novels or whatever. And we've just never let the story go. It's it's stuck in our head. This character is stuck in our head. And, and as some things in the real world start to mimic the things we designed in our story, I'm more and more convinced I'm in the Truman Show. And, no, just kidding. Uh, I am more and more want to tell this story, but at the same time, some of it feels too real or too close to home. So it's just interesting, and it's a lot of fun. But point being... One of the interesting things I realized with a tuck box was there is a concept of a card, which is called a domino card. So every, you know, a domino is twice as tall as it is wide. So we have a card 
that's, you know, three and a half inches wide by, uh, you know, one and three quarters, right, inches wide. And that creates a long, narrow card. Well, I realized if you take, I think it was like the 90 card box on the Game Crafter, and if you turn those cards 90 degrees, you can fit like a couple hundred or maybe a hundred some odd cards in one of those boxes. So for the Jack Sterling game, I I took and I developed this game with a bunch of cards that were all turned 90 degrees. And so we had just a ton, a ton, a ton of missions. And then you also were able to get yourself uh, either Intel lobbyist or muscle to support your, your needs. And each one of those was a card, which you would then get in your hand and use in the complete mission. So I was able to develop this entire Jack Sterling card game with these really unique card sizes, the domino cards turned 90 degrees in the tuck box so that you could have a game that had a, just a ton of cards in it for a, a tuck box size, which is completely unusual. And so I think that's the, that's the fun part about tuck boxes is looking at them and trying to come up with new and unique ways to use them or include components or do things like that in them. Um, I've had some ideas here recently where I want to take a taller tuck box or like maybe like a business card size tuck box and put square cards in it and see if I can uh, put components like in their own little shelf or drawer within it and include that in a box. So those are some kind of interesting pieces and things. I think there is a real, you know, portable game future there that is interesting and could be compelling and could be something that we could really do to make unique games that are super portable, super travelable and fun to play. Uh, in that same note, I mean, it's kind of like the thing that happened when the tin games became popular. You know, people forever were, you know, putting raspberry pies in tins. They were putting, uh, you know, band-aids and tins. I mean, I'm talking about Altoid tins here. Sorry, I should clarify that. So they're putting raspberry pies in Altoid tins with a little bit of clipping. And, you know, they were putting you know, medical kits, pills, uh, poker chips, um, you know, I, I don't even know everything you'd put in there. I mean, Altoids, obviously, but that was like such a thing. And I, and I think that there was this like homebrew kind of Etsy world where people were making games and putting them in old Altoid tins. And then it was kind of like, you know, there was a sticker or something that identified the game, but it was this kind of sub piece. But then the, the idea became to like mass produce tin games. And now you've got like the game crafter, which can print directly on the tins. And I've, we've got a game uh, called thrice that we have available on the game crafter still that is, has a printed tin in it. Now we, we also have a version of game crafter that we sell in house that we, we sell uh, on our own. It's the game's identical. The only difference is that the tins use a sticker label instead of printing directly on a tin because the direct application of the print to the tin is just way too expensive. Uh, I mean, it's awesome. I have a couple copies of those. They're just, they are, they are ultimately prohib prohibitively expensive 
for people to want to spend, you know, almost $20 on a tin game just because the, the box is, you know, super awesome. Whereas if you just get the sticker version, you spend closer to like nine or $12, depending on where you're getting it from or what you're doing with it. So I, that's kind of the, the weird part where it's like, sometimes the cool thing to do with packaging is too expensive. So like, I mean, we had a serious conversation about taking uh, thrice out of the metal tin and putting it into a tuck box to bring the price down. Ultimately, we decided just to go with the the labeled the labeled tin solution. And I, I think the game is. It, I mean, the game's still amazing. The the graphics are still you know really cool looking, all that stuff. But it's just it's we didn't want to get rid of the tin because the tin is that kind of like part of what makes thrice thrice. So, anyways, that is a lot about. Tuck boxes, packaging, things like that for today. Uh, tomorrow, I will talk to you more about boxes, stand-up boxes, those kind of things. And we will chat then. Don't forget, uh, October 1st, we have Stellar Empire Light Racer coming to Kickstarter. You will want to market, favorite it, do whatever you need to do. And follow us here on Substack for more Substack for more information. Bye! <laughs>